what's up, y'all? Uh, welcome back to the Don't Waste Your Hate podcast. This is episode six. Um, we got uh, another guest here for you. And if you uh, remember way back to episode five, we had a guy named Carmine. This is another blood relative. His name is Rob. Uh, I've known him uh, personally for a few years, and best thing I know about him, or the two things that I know about him is, number one, he's like a crazy engineer-type dude who decided he want, his like main project that he wanted to get into was converting a uh, propane heater into a natural gas heater for his deck. <laughs> and the, uh, the next thing is that uh, he throws a pretty good Halloween party. So, uh, Rob, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. And, uh, of course, we got Jeff here, as usual. So. And uh, <clears throat> we're just going to discuss this um, this little tiff going on with Google. Um, the basic of it is uh, a guy named James Damore, a, 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 an employee at Google, put out a memo um, regarding... Uh, Regarding uh, the diversity issue and uh, specifically gender diversity, um, so I'm going to turn it over to Rob. Um, Rob, why don't you just let us sure. know what it was all about? Yeah. So this 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 guy James Demore wrote an internal memo essentially to his coworkers at Google, uh, outlining, uh, describing a ideological echo chamber, a leftist ideological echo chamber at Google. Um, and he talks about how this ideological echo chamber uh, influences their business, uh, has permeated into their diversity program, um, and, if, and essentially um, is not good for business, is not good for the atmosphere of the employees. And he challenges, you know, why are we implementing the diversity programs that we have here? We think we're doing something that's good, that's valuable. And uh, he challenges that, and he challenges it essentially with a bunch of scientific research. Um, wrote this fantastic paper, and it's it's not that long. It's only a couple pages. I pulled it up and read it, you know, four or five minutes. It really doesn't take that long. Um, and it's extraordinarily well written. And it's written from the perspective of, I am a Google employee, and I know that there are other Google employees here, specifically conservative employees, who feel like they're opinion or their voice is being silenced because of this ideological authoritarian leftist echo chamber that exists here at Google. This is not good for business. This is not good for our employees. So he lists the grievances and why they're grievances, but then he then lists what are corrective actions that the company can take to make it better. So this isn't like a whiny piece from some guy who just has an ax to grind with upper management. He actually wrote this as like an instructive document to the company. Hey, here's issues that I see with what the company's doing. Here's how we can make the company better. And ultimately, they fired him over it, which is obviously pretty insane. Um, to me, it's like if I took my spare time and wrote up a you know 10-page memo to upper management to say, hey, here's how we can make our business better. And they said, good job. By the way, you're fired. So uh, it was pretty uh, – I can't say that I'm surprised by it at all, um, but it's obviously quite disturbing. Yeah, and a little background on the guy um, <clears throat> before we get into the substance of the memo. Background on the guy from what I understand is he's like basically uh, – very intelligent guy he was like a chess champion he was picked in like some kind of coding contest that's how he originally was uh hired by google yeah, like he did social well. network style yeah um so 
this guy is it was not had nothing to do with work performance obviously it's like he was performing well at work he he was a good uh, I guess he was a software engineer or coder, coder. Well, they said he, he explicitly he was fired for breaking their code of conduct right right exactly obviously they have a fired a, a right to they have a right to fire whoever they want however uh, Google is a very powerful force on the internet they control quite a bit of the real estate on the internet and quite a bit of how you get to other real estate on the internet. And it is somewhat disturbing, or at least it should be, in my mind, somewhat disturbing to people who are of a conservative or libertarian bent that uh, Google has this much uh, power. And it's it's fine if if they want to. If all the upper management have these these leftist tendencies, um, it's not a problem. But when they are having it permeate through their company, that's when I feel like it becomes somewhat of an issue. And I think that's what this guy's trying to address. Uh, and you know, it just it's a little bit uh, troublesome in my mind because of that. Of course, they have the the right to fire him, but you know, it's what is Google? Google runs YouTube. They run Google. They, you know, they they control quite a bit. Well, yeah. So from their the leftist position, this is where they sort of tie themselves into knots. Where it's like I can make an argument right now that I really don't believe in, but would be consistent with them. So a lot of the people on the left want to make arguments for certain things becoming public utilities and therefore like rights and source falls into those types of categories, which changes, you know, the whole game in terms of, you know, oh, it's just a private company. They're like when I started saying that um, Internet access is now a right, just like water and everyone can have it and all that stuff. And now you can force these companies and people to do things that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. So from that perspective, if you're taking that view from I mean, Google is certainly large enough um, and important enough and ingrained into like all the technology uh, where they would a lot of the people working there and, and that are upset by this and fired him over this um, would would make that uh, would make that argument. Um, and I fucking totally forgot what my connecting point was there. Well, just just to bring to bring, I think I think large, larger good start. Good the, start to the, 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 the the larger aspect of this that uh, I think is interesting and probably bad is right now we live in a political climate that is very divided. There's almost no center. You're either way to the left or way to the right. You're either 100% right or 100% wrong. There's no center. And this guy obviously is a little bit conservative. Um, but if you read this piece. The language that he uses, it's almost like the way I talk to my wife, because I, when I have to give her bad news, you know, you're, you're going you're gonna to be very nice about the way you deliver the information. Make sure you're very specific about things. I mean, he says in here several times because he talks about aggregate groups of people and the statistical average. And he specifically says, you can't use this to judge any individual person. In fact, he says explicitly, my whole point of this is that we stop treating people as groups and treat them as individuals. I mean, this guy is, if you if you read this just top to bottom, it's not even remotely offensive. When I saw the, when I saw the headlines for this, I tried not to read any article. I tried to get the text, to read the text for myself before I got my mind polluted by the nonsense that people write as interpretations of this. And I read this and I immediately said to myself, there's not going to be one article that has a quote from this paper because there's not one offensive quote from the paper. Right. And I'm yet to find anything. And that's how you know right off the bat whether or not something is legitimately offensive or bad. Usually they'll take a they'll take a little snippet that somebody said out of context. I mean, there's not even something in here you could take out of context of being sexist or offensive or rude or malicious in any way, shape, or form. So, um, not that it matters so much in terms of like why this is a story and why we're talking about it, but in your read of it, um, what did you think of the actual content as conclusions is? I think it was, I think 
it's very clear to me, and I found out later that this guy's actually done research at universities. It's very clear to me that he knows how to research a topic, how to lay out an argument, how to cite supporting information, scientific information. And then, like I said, the best part is he gives recommendations for corrective actions as to how to actually make it better. But to my, to my previous point, the, the problem that I have with this is this is a guy who's very reasonable. I mean, this is not a guy way off on the right or way off on the left. I get it if the guy came out and said, you know, sexist things and stuff like that. And you could you can debate and say, well, he has the right to say these sexist things. Well, Google has the right to kick him out and they have a right to fire whoever they want. That's that, that's fine. But the problem is, here's a guy that's that's about as reasonable as it gets, about as logical as it gets down the middle of the ideological spectrum almost. OK, and then he gets demonized and kicked out of the company, which to me is like just it's just further dividing people into into bins of left well, what's, and what's right. What's funny, too, is he's gr- complaining of an echo chamber, and, and if he's correct, then they just hardened they that just, echo chamber by point. kicking someone they out. They absolutely just um, all, you know, And he's got sections in here like the non-discriminatory uh, non-discriminatory ways to reduce the gender gap. Um, and if you've seen, if you've not seen him speak or, you know, looked into it further, um, it's very, I'm sure there are a lot of people that have an idea of their head, in their head of what this guy's like, and he's all right and all this stuff. Um, he's like, uh, he's a nerd. He's like an autistic. Like he's very high. It's very clear he's one of these uh, very um, uh, like intelligent, uh, processing, analytical minds uh, that is not great with um, you know probably interpersonal skills and things like that. One of these nerd coders, and he's looking at this. I would imagine in like a very technical, um, like like a, like it's a problem to be solved. Uh, they're getting these new initiatives that they're pushing internally. Um, he's seeing what their mission statement is. Didn't they say that the the, the woman um, who uh, came out and initially addressed this internally that she had just been hired as like the new diversity officer or something like that? Yeah. So. Um, you know, this is clearly something that internally they're identifying as, and, and they're common to most companies. When I was with ADP, they had one, um, and, and they push that down your throat constantly. Um, but, you know, this is Google. These guys are the best of the best in terms of fixing problems. So they're pushing out there that there's this issue. He's coming at it from like a very um, almost like scientific position, and the response is not you know, with logic or it's, it's just get out of here. This is bigoted. This is hate. And so well, it's, and uh, you know, there's been a lot of people who've who've mentioned this, and they've uh, they have prognosticated that there is a ton of companies that are going the, if you will, the social justice warrior route with overdoing diversity training, overdoing minority hiring, and all sorts of stuff like that, and that it's cannibalizing these companies, and that it's going to significantly affect the productivity, the profitability of these companies. So, well, because you're getting away from the end product. That, that's exactly right. That's, that's exactly all that matters. Right. And, and that's why I thought this paper was done very well because you know he he lists the grievances, but again, it was geared towards how can we make Google better. Um, and the fact that they just outright rejected that tells me they're not really concerned. And maybe there's such a mega corporation, they have so much money that they can afford to do this. They don't give a rat's ass whether or not, you know, and that, that may be the case. But you're going to see lots and lots of companies, not just Google, that if they continue to go down this route, kicking out reasonable, logical individuals like this guy, those companies are going to go down the tubes. Or they don't kick, they don't, they don't kick them out because most um, it's not going to be too often that you find someone like this guy to put together a 10-page paper um, and circulate it. And it was only after that it was leaked that it really right. became a problem. Um, and, and according to him, 
Um, and this, you know, isn't an end all, but according to him, he did not even hear of any like issues with the paper. It wasn't until he was on the outside right. and then, you know, supposedly there was this big outcry, but it's not like he was receiving all this hate and there was this like, you know, all this strife internally. I also, I think he said he circulated the memo like a month or two beforehand yeah. and it was like, it went around to a bunch of people, but it was no big deal. Everybody who he spoke to about it, everyone who read it, uh, was fine with it, but at some point, it got out of his inner circle, I guess, and that's when the problem started. That's when people started tweeting about it, and that's ultimately what led to his uh, termination. But uh, just to reiterate, reiterate <clears throat> what Rob said, he he every without throughout this entire memo, he had qualifying statements, very conciliatory qualifying statements, like. Just like you said, uh, this is not to be uh, applied to an individual person. These are these are stereotypes, and I think we should get into a little bit of what he actually the substance of the thing. Um, so, what a couple. Of, I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from from the memo. Um, at Google, we talk so much about unconscious bias as it applies to race and gender, but we rarely discuss our moral biases. And here he's discussing that a lot of uh, the moral biases come from a leftist perspective. And, um, you know, these uh, this is like the social justice warrior type perspective that permeates um, Silicon Valley, you know, the, these these tech giants. He doesn't say SJW, does he? No, he doesn't say that. This is my commentary after the quote that I just said. Um, Another one, he said, uh, when it comes to diversity and inclusion, Google's left bias has created a politically correct monoculture that maintains its hold by shaming dissenters into silence. And this is exactly what this is here. This like he, he he literally quoted what happened to him directly after this memo got leaked out. That is exactly what happened. He, he was shamed to the point that he was, uh, he was fired. He was fired because there were people on Twitter complaining about this, crying about this. There were, there were girls and boys, men and women, whatever, like they were, they were saying, oh, I can't go to work tomorrow because this is violence against me. <laughs> there were literally people considering this memo violence. And by the way, we're going to link to this memo. And I, I, I strongly suggest you read the entire thing from front to back. And when this was initially leaked, by the way, this uh, James Demore, he included a lot of citations, a lot of sources. Um, and when they initially leaked it, they removed all these citations and all the sources. They made it. They 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 made this thing look less credible than it actually was. They and made it seem like it was his opinion, and it wasn't based on any actual research. Exactly, and he provided quite a bit of. Um, you know, I mean, not quite a bit, but he provided the necessary citations to show that, hey, this guy is not just talking uh, out of his ass. There were literally, right. um, you know, quite a bit of, uh, you know, papers that were, you know, peer reviewed and, you know, actual statistics that he was citing. And, you know, all it was talking about was the differences between men and women on a an average basis that um, – Women tend certain ways and men tend other ways, and you know maybe one of you so guys this was want to a, talk so about So this that. wasn't a um, a race thing because this I know this is like this a, is a gender thing. So this no is race whatsoever. Thing, yeah. So this was the differences between men and women, right. and and what what did he serve? To, what, what was he trying to explain? He was trying to be, explain why why women because there's always this this thing in in um, in the in the the ether right now in the uh, zeitgeist that that 
women are not enough in the STEM fields. Women aren't in coding. Women aren't in, you know, all the engineering, that kind of stuff, right? Pay gap, obviously. And the yep, pay gap is a big part of it. Um, so he he's addressing why women are underrepresented in certain job types, overrepresented in others. And he's, uh, he's basically just showing that uh, with some of these studies, the traits that women and men ex- exhibit Um, the traits that women and men exhibit are um, you know different but it it kind of explains the disparities in in the uh, in the jobs and why a certain percentage are in one job and a certain percentage are in other jobs so he's laying out sort of the uh, the, the, laying down a groundwork of like what we understand or differences about the sexes what the science uh, you know what the data is I would imagine because I haven't read the memo so I'm coming at this from you guys have looked through it Um, I'm just sort of asking questions so he's um, they look, this is what we know about men and women. Here are the differences. Here's the data. Even if we're not going to be using interpretation at this point, right. we know men are doing this, women are doing that. Now we need to think about whether or not this is um, a total social construct and a result of oppression, or is it something more natural and deeper and deeper happening? And I would imagine from there, he transitions into um, what we're doing with that information and how that leads to a more or less productive Google. Right. That's, That's exactly, exactly right. what he does. That's 100 percent right. So, yeah. so uh, what are what are some of his like? Is, is observations and then um, like you know advisements before we get to that you know there's one thing that he brought up in here as a uh, a way to maintain a open environment for discussion especially when it comes to uh, diversity uh, and the, the thing that he mentions is fire anybody with questions <laughs> no it says we need to demoralize not like you know demoralize don't make the don't make it a moral argument, and that's kind of like like I said before. The whole basis of this is improving the quality of things at Google for the people and the company. So to him, this is not a moral argument. You know, the the, the gender gap or the the representation of women in STEM fields. This is not you know. There's not some boogie monster out there uh, trying to hold women down. Is what he's saying. He's saying this is not a moral argument. These are not these are not moral things that we're discussing here. I'm just discussing the validity of the program, of the diversity programs that we have. We're spending a lot of money on these diversity programs to train and hire specific people for specific roles. Um, And we encourage particular groups of people for specific roles and we provide excess training for them and we don't for others. Exactly. I think I just want to reiterate what you just said. They, one of the main points is that, yes, there are certain programs that they put forward that are only available to certain groups, right. women can only attend certain certain uh, seminars. Right. Uh, different minorities can only attend other seminars. Like uh, basically, white males are excluded from some of these so, seminars. So we're saying, and, and, and I don't mean to get too much into the weeds for those that aren't familiar with like this kind of like language. But what you're seeing here, in effect, whether they know it or not, because I have questions about how many followers actually understand the roots of this stuff. But you're seeing the postmodernist structure at work within Google, mm-hmm. where you have the oppressed classes, right. right? And then you have the oppressors, and that's and it's sort of a natural thing. Like, as a as the white male in the organization, you have privileges, right? right? And so, whether you mean to or not, um, you have access to those privileges, and you're oppressing the others. And so, that's usually used as the justification for uh, remedies, right. uh, whether they be access to certain programs, whether they be just, um, I mean, I've seen some people, uh, definitely some much harsher, 
uh, propositions, like um, straight up just paying certain groups more money based right. on the fact that there was affirmative action. Kind of is, is a similar similar concept, right? Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I would imagine anyone with like a thinking brain, this isn't a this doesn't stand up to like analytical rigor, right? You know, and so it's obviously it's it's, it's almost amusing to watch like somebody go into this probably naively as a nerd tackling this from like a technical standpoint and coming out with this paper that breaks it down all plainly and you know an organization like Google needs to look at this and and it's Google so they should be yeah. they should elevate this type of they're thinking they're the master of analytics. They're the master, but at the same time they have this I would argue poisonous uh, well, ideology lens yeah and 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 they, they look if you have a diversity leader and a diversity um like mission as like as part of your overall mission you're poisoning the well and this is uh sort of an outgrowth of that yeah and, and you know back to my point i just wanted to finish my point sorry he, he he mentions about demoralizing issues he said you know part of the reason why people people have uh issues coming out at Google, uh, speaking on conservative topics or just expressing differences of opinion, different opinions, is that uh, the criticism is not you're wrong or, you know, the data doesn't support that or this is bad for business. The argument is always you're a bad person. You're against minorities. You're against women. You're harming You're a bigot. You're, you're harming me. Exactly. So his point is, look, we have to, when we have conversations, ideological conversations on the left and right, we have to stop with the morality. We have to stop with the you're a bad person. I'm a bad person. You're a good person because you believe in this. We need to have a discussion as to what the perspectives are, what the topic is, what the evidence is. Is it good? Is it bad? If you view the person across the table from you that you're having a discussion as an immoral person, you're not going to accept a bit of information from them at all. You're just going to completely block them off. So his whole point, one of the points that he makes in here about demoralization, I think is huge. And I think it's really important, not just for this, but for everybody to take that because I have the tendency to do that too. You have somebody who you know, who you disagree with on a ton of things and you have a negative opinion of them. So when they speak to you, they may be speaking truth to you, but you just, you, you kind of block it out because you see them as this immoral character. So I think that's a really valuable thing that he brings up there that a lot of people are missing. Yeah. People miss that. And I think the, um, the thing about that is I've heard this said that in every argument, there's not there's mostly someone is right and someone is wrong it's just a matter of who has the most information but if everybody has an equal amount of information someone is right you know and i kind of i think about that and i also think about the fact that there are people that i love people that i respect people that i've been friends with or family members of mine that clearly have differing opinions on these things now are they immoral people no like i said i love these people and i don't love people who are immoral i love people you know i care about people who are good people you know so it's 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 just a matter of like you said instead of this moral posturing you know you 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 talk to people you present your argument they present their argument at some point somebody's going to be right somebody's going to be wrong but it's this, uh, and it is a leftist tendency. Well, you know, too, to, and I, I think I think he kind of naively 
puts it at, you know, kind of, and maybe, maybe he's not naive about it. Maybe he's just putting it this way so people will accept this, accept his argument of demoralizing topics. That's, that's but, possible. But I, but I think, I think he knows full well the reason why people bring in the moral aspect, you're a bad person, is because they have no argument so, against it. And, that's and why. Maybe, but it's amusing to me reading this again uh, and listen, listening to all the commentary about it. And I've watched a little bit of an interview with him after the fact. And he talks about the left a little bit and the progressives in a way that shows that he maybe is kind of naive to me this almost strikes me as like um like an epiphany moment for him where he genuinely was like naive coming into this and he's just like pointing out like hey the emperor has no clothes like yo you you see this right oh let me let me like put out this memo and this will fix everything look at look at all the logic like it's infallible what uh what you know let's let's fix this and move on with society and that's the whole point of the left that's the whole progressive postmodernist ideology and to point that out is one it's obvious to anyone paying attention and two it's also obvious that the response is not going to be oh oh this this is something to think of this is something that adds to the canon and then we're going to consider this and it's going to be you know no they're going to destroy you for it because there's no conversation happening the reason it's a podcast um, kind of exists um, and a reason that um, you know the alternative media has had a lot of success uh, in the last couple of years is because there's a divide I think um, developing uh, in the West between people who want to have conversations and actually get to solutions and people who want to shut down those conversations and are going for power grabs any way that they can and he's kind of thrown himself into the middle of this I think you know, inadvertently. Yeah, just yeah. Not, not really like with that being the intention. And we're seeing the fallout of that. And every time I read an analysis of this or a take on it, I just kind of start thinking at it through that lens. Are you really caring about the topic? Are you really, are you, are you citing what he said? Or is there, or is this a pure ideological, um, you know, your team versus my team? And this is a tool and we're going to move the football in this direction kind of thing. Um, and I think once you kind of understand that, that, that paradigm you start seeing all the actions of the way that this is interpreted and what happens you know through that lens and it, it makes a lot more sense because it's hard to argue like most of the arguments he's making have been made over and over and over again some of them are obvious some of them are not listen, and, and, listen. Are, and are interesting to read about the, the biological differences between men and women and why the, the gender pay gap is not really a pay gap and is, is a natural outgrowth of, of differences and, and lifestyle choices and all these things. Um, so, no, go ahead, Kassam. No, the arguments have been made, but I think on more than that, most people are not hearing those arguments. That's, that's think, a good point. I think that's a lot a of people point. are hearing, you know, the diversity, diversity, multiculturalism, all the other, you know, buzzwords that the the leftist type people like to throw out. But I just want to go through a little bit of what is actually in here. Real quick, so before, you, before you go into the specifics, you're right. But so, sorry, because we we jump around. But was it is it counterproductive? I don't know. Maybe they felt they didn't have a choice. But is it counterproductive uh, for, uh, let's call it the left um, and those that advocated for his firing uh, for this to happen. Because for as much as that side cheers because he got fired, now there's more conversation happening about things. This is my argument in big picture. There's more conversation happening about the content and whether or not well, this yeah, was definitely. just and things that would have been swept swept under the rug and just kind of well, you know, now people are talking I about I think it. it's extremely productive for this to happen for people like us, for, for us. people who care about discourse, for people who care about liberty, freedom, for people who don't buy into this whole uh, postmodernist type mentality. 
I think it's quite quite productive. But for them, I think they're so. I don't, so I don't mean I don't mean it convincing them, but I mean in like the people in the middle who are have not made up their minds. I feel like something like this harms the left more than hurts yes, it. I, That's I, what I'm saying. I agree too. I it, think something like this pushes people in the middle, or it makes people in the middle realize how crazy some of the people on the far left really and truly are. I think people in the middle normally are in the middle because they don't really give a shit because they're too busy doing other things. They're not. Well, why do I? Why do I just care living about this? Right, why do I, But I then they this? see something like this, and and this is not a long thing. They read. They take ten minutes on their lunch break. They read and they go, "This is perfectly reasonable." What the heck happened? Well, These people. Why is this a national minds. news story? Exactly. Right? And yeah. you know, to your point. Yeah, they made a huge deal out of this. This was an internal memo that got circulated for a month within Google. If they had just left it at that, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Like now, it's all over the place. We're talking about it. It's all over Facebook. It's all it over Twitter. It makes me wonder. It's almost like this was leaked by someone on the right or is not a leftist. Like with that, with that in mind, there are there are people that yeah, do that. That's I like hope a four, so. That's a four G kind of move. <laughs> yeah, that's a very four um, G kind of move. So I don't think there's anybody in Google with. <laughs> That sort of Google's big man uh, I don't, political I don't slant and that sort of. Uh, but sorry, I agree because I, I want to hear more about like yeah. his actual. Yeah, let's go into the said. substance. Sorry, this is a little late in coming, but hopefully you're still listening. <laughs> the uh, the substance is uh, essentially women and men are different on average, and this has been um, you know proven with data, you know, in studies. So here's the studies that he cites. The basic the basic thing is that women are more open. Um, they're. Um, they have stronger interests in people rather than things, whereas men, um, you know, are more interested in ideas and problem solving, that kind of stuff. Um, this explains why women um, generally prefer jobs in social or artistic areas, whereas men are more into things like coding, that type of thing. Uh, another aspect of it is that um, women are not very assertive at when compared to men, men are very assertive. Um, women are more agreeable. So, uh, so this, in a hyper competitive environment, that's not to your advantage. Yes, and, and in this exact in this area, like we were saying, he qualifies all his statements because he knows his audience at least somewhat. He says, "Note that these are just average differences, and there's overlap between men and women, but this is seen solely as a women's issue." Um, this leads to exclusionary programs um, for women, and uh, men are left without those kind of programs because of the biases of Google. And this, and this is where he shows a chart for this, right? Or he shows a, a chart. A graph. Um, he also says women are higher anxiety, anxiety, and they have lower stress tolerance, which is why um, men um, are more willing to get into higher stress jobs also men are um, interested more in status they want to be you, you know they want to it's basically it's a biological thing they have to attract a mate so they need to be high on the scale it's a primate thing honestly and an alpha thing i mean it's you, an see, alpha you thing. see it in the the wild constantly yes the battle the battle to move up that hierarchy is a it seems to me like it's a very male thing within like the tribes or whatever if it's monkeys or hippos or whatever it is exactly i mean this is seen across all species especially mammalian species but others as well um and one, one of the if, if i can jump in here one of the yeah. things that he, that he put in here that i thought was actually pretty funny because being a uh, early 30s male working in in a, in a big company don't forget, I, don't forget white and cis yeah okay thank you thank you thank you for reminding the audience of that um 
I've thought about this quite quite a bit is uh, work life balance, and he actually has a line in here that says, you know, women have uh, a greater tendency to have a more balanced, happy. I mean, I think he even uses like the word satisfying or happy life than men do. Essentially, alluding to the fact that if you want to be a high executive or you want to have a high position in the company. You're not going to see your kids often. You're not going to see your wife often. You're not going to have a balanced life. You're not going to have a social life and a work life. It's pretty much just going to be work all the time. And it just appears that men pursue that significantly more than women do because they put more emphasis well, on that. So than women I would do. assume that all these things, because so if these are presented as like extractions of the data, then those on the left would argue that these are the result of social oppression and construct right. and not biological right. causes. Right. And so does he? Does Except, he? Yeah. He so he he cites and gives uh, examples from evolutionary biology or other species where the same sort of behaviors are seen. Like perhaps testosterone has something to do yes. with. So he talks. To- so he talks about prenatal testosterone levels. Um, influencing some of these characteristics and a number of other things. So he talks about, you see these sort of, um, you see these characteristics across species, not just in humans, and you also see them across cultures and across time. So it's not, it's it's significantly more indicative of a biological trait than a social construct. Right. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like the pursuit of happiness because happiness is, is sort of a funny evolutionary thing too. Like the sensation of being happy is is real. That's not like, you know, you, you see a dog happy and then not happy and, and there's, uh, you know, uh, hormones and chemicals being released for that. And so you think about the things that make you happy or not happy. It's almost like the pursuit of those things for men and women are different. Right. And then when it just so happens to come to the marketplace, uh, the things that make men happy are valued more, and or at least at this at this moment in times, in terms of like monetary uh, uh, payment. And and by the way, I don't even know if that is true on a per hour basis because I know men work many more hours than women in more right. dangerous positions. Right. But I'm just I'm just sort of following the logic through there right. um, that that could be one like reasonable explanation for why you would have. Yeah, these, be, these, being, these being a father of a of a year and a year and a half old daughter, I I, I venture to guess, and I feel like people who think that um, a lot of the differences in outcomes or differences between men or women are simply social constructs and have nothing to do with biology or are more more social construct than biological predisposition have not had children because you have a little boy or you have a little girl. Oh my goodness, before they're even exposed to anything, you can already see the female and male tendencies in these children. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, of course, that's anecdotal uh, from my experience, but I feel like anybody who's had kids, I mean, even amongst siblings, you can you can just look amongst your siblings, you know, you have a brother, you have a sister, so different between two siblings. Even identical twins are very different. Fraternal twins become very different. So the idea that there would not be significant differences in outcomes and personal preferences and behavior between two different sexes in the same species is is insane. Especially if you believe in evolution. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you wanted to say you don't believe in evolution, then okay, fine. And, you know, we're playing a different game. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where are we going from there? Um, so, uh, oh, and I, and I'll, I'll also add, um, probably edited to make it seem smooth. Um, I'll also add that, uh, and again, I can't like cite this. I've just heard it repeated a couple times, but that in primates and in other species, um, you know, like, like, uh, prepubescent, like apes 
will take like a piece of driftwood or something and if it's a, if it's like a little girl um, it'll like treat it as like a baby in a way that like a little girl plays right. with a doll and I think a lot of times again the progressives try to make this argument that that the, the reason that a little girl plays with a doll is because that's that's construct. the social that's the nurture not the nature so, um, yet we see in nature um, right. now now I don't know if they make an argument that that's a social construct in nature too I think that's probably harder sell but um, you you see similar behaviors in uh, it seems like in in, right. in primates as well that get that get, get attributed to social constructs so in humans. let's just let's just follow the hypothesis that all of this is a social construct so then the real question you have to ask yourself is is it better for it not to be so is it actually more beneficial for women, for society, for people, for there to be more women in tech? I mean, we have this idea that we should have, you know, 50-50 men and women, but that might not be ideal. If we had 50-50 men and women trying to give birth to all the children on the planet, but we would have same. a problem but because men can't same. do it, right? Mm -hmm. So we, you have to answer the question. So the first question is, well, is it, is it biological or is it cultural? To me, that almost doesn't matter. The real question, or the question especially that this paper is kind of alluding to is, is it more valuable? Okay, let's let's say there is a gap, a technology, there is a gap in uh, women's representation in STEM field or technology. Is it actually beneficial? The first question, do women really want more representation in the STEM field? Go ask the average woman. Do you want more women represented? You have to ask them personally. Do you want to? The deep end, do you want to be going in, off the deep end? Do you end. want to be in the STEM field? Okay, because I think if you did that survey, you would find personal preferences from all the women. Most women don't want to be in the STEM but, field, but because they've been beaten it's very, down to the point where so, they feel discouraged because they don't have testosterone, that socially they uh, they're not comfortable going into the STEM fields because they're going to be uh, made to feel uh, alienated. Um, they're made to think that that's not something right, that they you, should pursue. Phrase, this would be the argument. This right, is the argument. But I if you phrase them. the question to them. What are you interested in? Are you interested in computer design or are you interested in curtains? What would the answer that you get? You know, <laughs> that might that might seem you know it's stereotypical you know sort of, but you know you it's highlighting my point. You get what I'm saying? You know. So the first thing is you got to ask women, and don't ask women. Do you want other women to be in that? Because that's like you know that, that's a ridiculous question. Ask the woman. Do you want to so go into this? Real, so real question, real question. Yes, on, on that. So you say we got to ask. Uh, do we actually want more women in? Is it beneficial? STEM? Is it Why? beneficial? There's this idea that it's that, that we everything has to be perfectly equal. Nobody has answered to me why that's beneficial for anyone, well, for no, men, for so, women, so for society think, in general. Again, I'm, I don't think the argument is that it's quote beneficial. I mean, that, that's a very weird concept anyway, right? Yeah, I, I, so, yeah. I mean, we're viewing like humanity and society in like the absolute aggregate and what's the most efficient like uh, proportions of all these different things. Um, I think the argument is right or wrong that there's oppression and the reason that we don't have a perfect representation of the population of women and men in every field in every aspect right. of society is because of some sort of social construct lack of diversity right. some sort of um ancient mindset that is left over that we've not uh shaken the shackles from like right. slavery right. and that in, in some utopian near future we're going to achieve that and so that's the purpose of these diversity groups right. is to because that's that's a question in and of itself okay is the purpose of this of these diversity groups and these companies and again i was at 80 they had one of these and even yep. before I got I looked into these issues it felt wrong to me the concept here because they never explicitly 
like is the purpose of diversity for a better company for better output for better product this is the question I'm is asking. it for the employees is, the question is it I'm because asking. there's oppression right is it what it, what is the purpose of quote diversity right. i think it's um, to make people feel better right but the, my that's question it. my question right so if that but they wouldn't say that if that's the answer does it actually make people feel better I don't think so. I mean, are the people that are going to be in that position in that field working in that job going to be happier? Are there are there women out there? Is there a significant portion of women out there who legitimately are pursuing STEM degrees and STEM jobs that are upset That's because, the there's argument, a, yes. because there's a glass ceiling? Really? I haven't seen any That's of these the argument, women yeah. coming out and making I've heard these them. arguments. I've, heard I've seen all these people, these social justice warriors who ha- don't have there's degrees in math or there's science or any of this kind of stuff. masculinity in these industries, you in know, these the, fields. I, I got to be honest with you. It seems kind of crazy to me for people to especially to choose the STEM fields, okay? Who are the least masculine <laughs> You know, what's the least masculine job you could have? Computer programmer, for Christ's sake. This guy's a freaking computer engineer. This is Google. Go over there. None of these guys got biceps or triceps. They don't go to the gym. They're all a bunch of nerds. Maybe they talk a lot. Maybe, okay? maybe there's a lot of dick jokes. So you mean to tell me that <laughs> if you tested the testosterone level between the average firefighter and the average coder, I would guarantee you the average firefighter would have significantly higher testosterone levels. So it, it, it seems strange to me that they specifically target the STEM fields for doctors, for for engineers, for software coders, for all these. Well, they're not going to talk about not garbage so men, traditionally or, masculine men. Yeah, yeah, they're not right. No. What about construction they're, workers? How come they're not targeting construction workers? We should have more women in construction. Construction workers probably talk the worst about women and, and probably have the most misogynistic views of women. No, but aren't you arguing against yourself? Because maybe they that's that's like even too much for them, where they can argue, look, testosterone is a real thing. Um, and maybe there are some barriers against women and those things, and we should definitely fight those. Uh, but we see more men in construction because uh, men do have a greater uh, natural ability to build muscle, and that's required for construction. That's why you see more of them. But in the STEM fields, it's all brains. So why the disparity? Because there is an IQ gap between men and women. Oh, well, see, and they have, see they we have, got to something. They have so different, they have different so cognitive so, so uh, strengths and weaknesses. So men are better. Yes, it's, it's very clear. There's been tons and tons of studies that indicate that men... Well, well then talk about this a little that have, bit. So. They have significantly, not significantly, but in uh, uh, an aggregate, again, it's a, it's a bell curve. But men typically have slightly higher uh, cognitive abilities when it comes to math and science and logic and reasoning. Women have significantly higher abilities to multitask than men do. Men do... In, in general, do a better job concentrating on one complex, difficult task, and men do a significant. Women do a significantly better job, on the whole, in general, uh, executing a number of less complicated tasks simultaneously. This has been proven. This is not even debatable in the psychological research or the neurological research that's been done on this sort of thing. So that's the argument. Okay, if you have, you know, jobs that require single solitary concentration on a complex, logical, mathematic topic. Then those those who have a higher IQ or a higher cognitive ability in that area obviously are going to gravitate towards that and be more successful. And even though there's a lot of overlap in a company like Google, where they're taking from the best of the best of the best of the best, right? That's where it's going to be predominantly the men. Because by the way, the other part of this bell curve, as I understand it, is that there are more geniuses that are men than women, but there are also right. more dummies and fuck ups 
that are men. The men tend to be more spread. Yes. um, Whereas the women tend to congregate more towards the middle. So you have no more uh, Nobel winning prize winners that are men, but you have 90% of uh, all people in jail that are men, which a lot of that is violence, but homeless population. And and again, just um, all sorts of degenerates and whatever mental mental illnesses, illnesses, autism, this is going to be, this is going to be boys as well. And we're not, you know, of course we're not going to focus on that part of the graph. We're just going to focus on the part that we don't like, which is the one up, up, up top. Um, so that, so that's interesting. So, so my question, I guess, getting back to this paper is, I don't think he goes into all of this in 10 pages, right? I, I would no. imagine this is a bit of an overload for the Google no. memo, right? So so how much does he go into this sort of stuff? And what are some of his prescriptions for uh, actually uh, fixing whatever he perceives or, or yeah, he perceives as the issues um, in response to what uh, the diversity group at Google perceives as as the problems to be uh, solved? Um, one of the main ones that I, off the top of my head that I remember is that he talks about how women are better at uh, cooperative ventures. And so he says that instead of trying to force women into coding positions where they have to code something on their own, why don't we change the position and make it cooperative coding? And we code like it's a group that codes things together as opposed to one guy codes one thing, one guy codes another. It's a so he prescribes that. Um, I'm not sure what else, but most of it involved basically recognizing these differences between the genders and structuring the job leveraging them such that you know you you change the change the structure of the job to accommodate the differences rather than just try to force um a woman into a job we're we're not even accommodating that sounds like taking advantage hey we have women in our coding group we're going to get more out of that team if we structure them to work cooperatively, whereas the men, if we right. put in a little silos, we're going to get the most out of them. Right. Yeah. That seems like a pure output like calculation. That's all. He, that's honestly the way he, he approaches this whole thing. Aside from all the qualifying statements and trying to be as nice as he can be, he is also definitely trying to put this out for the benefit of the company. You can see that throughout the whole read. He wants to benefit the company. He wants to improve upon the issues that he feels are the problems, all these diversity trainings, all this whole diversity uh, you know, um, mentality that goes through the whole company. He's trying to, to fix it. He's trying to say, hey, this is not the way to go. I loved it. He, he, he said it on an interview. I heard he really, he really loves Google. He loves what they do. He loves what they've done. He yeah, loves- aside from this, I hear it's a great, like the best place to work. Yeah. Um, but he's like, hey, I think this is a problem. This is a road we're heading down that is not the best road. Here's how we could fix it. And here's also, he's not like, it's not like a, I don't know. There's no hate involved. There's no, no malice. He's, he's like, yo, this is what we need to do to just fix this. These are blind spots that we have because right. of this left bias that Google has. Well, and he and he even talks in here, and he talks about the pros and cons. He even talks about the biases of the left, the biases of the right, the pros of uh, left ideology, the pros of right ideology, and the, the pros and cons of the differences of personalities between men's and women. And he even advocates, you know, he even acknowledges there's tons of unconscious bias and that Google consistently talks about unconscious bias. And he advocates for more training and research for unconscious bias as to how they can use it to better promote their products. He's, he's saying we're giving diversity training and unconscious bias to coders. Why? What the heck does that affect the coders? This guy's trying to control society and Google's <laughs> not even, you know, he, he just let this guy go. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 
I would just encourage. It's not a really difficult piece to read. You know, I would really encourage everyone to just go read it themselves. And one, just just a comment on the way he put it together, the way it was structured, and the way he wrote it. I thought it was excellent because he was specific in where the details mattered. And then where he didn't really need to go into the the absolute details because everyone agrees on it. He was just general enough and quick enough to make it a quick read. This could have been a 50-page paper, but he made it like 10. It was like no problem. So he did an excellent job with that, which is also – I'm a little surprised. You know, the level of communication and the, and the language that he uses in here is absolutely excellent. It's very clear. It's very descriptive. It's very concise. It's not super, superfluous as I can be many times. Um, and I'm surprised to see that from someone who's, you know – an engineer or, or a tech-based guy because as a project manager, you know, a lot of my engineers, the biggest problem they have is communication, but this was very well written. Um, and I found out later, like I said, he, he's done research and stuff like that. And it was written like a, like a very well-read, well-written, well-researched research paper, but it's easy to read. So I encourage everyone to read it. Yeah. So that's the, that's the content of the thing. And I think I just want to like step back from, from the, the letter. And I kind of want to just, if we're talking about hate here on this podcast, and not wasting it. I yeah, mean, so why, why should people care about this? Why should people care about this? Well, the thing that, that pisses me off about it... Because this is Google. They Companies make stupid mistakes all the time. They fire people they shouldn't all the time. They, they pr- certainly promote people that they shouldn't all the time. So why why is, like, uh, you know, in, in society in the West, should we care about this? Like I said, I don't care what Google does. If they want to fire people for this garbage, that's their own thing. I don't care. But the thing that I care about is all these... Uh, the women who came out and the men who came out who um, basically wanted to virtue signal and they they like I said before there are people coming out saying that this was a violent act that there were people who couldn't go to work because this was circulating around Google in the the uh, the memos people at Google were saying that or people like at their like other jobs were there saying were people who worked at Google who who went on Twitter and said it there were people former employees current employees who literally said they considered this an act of violence and that they, well, were, did they, get they were scared puppies to go them? to work. I hope they did. Do you know but, who would consider this an act of violence? Very low testosterone weenie coders. Again, to my point, I find it hard to believe that there's this, you know, uh, there's this massive masculine <laughs> oppressive culture from men who are so soft that a 10-page paper written very well is so offensive, they get so offended they can't come to work. I mean, there's not a lot of mass gainer in a coffee room? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just think um, when you look at people like who freak out about shit like this, you have to wonder where they're coming from and literally like... I think you really have to wonder, like, how dumb are these people? Because I, I was – Thomas Sowell is a dude who I, I like in certain aspects. And one thing he always says, whenever you're looking at some kind of crazy left-wing ideology, there's a few questions you need to ask. And one of those questions is, compared to what, right? So, okay, women are so underrepresented. Women are oppressed. Women are this and that, you know, that – the whole the whole thing in this article and the whole I mean in this uh, podcast and the whole reason that people had this uproar, how could someone consider this violence? Right? Is compared to what? Like, why are you um, why are you freaking out about something that you know? Comp- compare yourself to women thirty years ago. Compare yourself to women. 60 years ago. Compare yourself to women 100 years ago. Compare yourself to contemporaries in other geographic locations. Compare yourself to Saudi Arabia. Compare yourself to anywhere else. Compare yourself you know? to Mexico. You don't even have to go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you don't have to go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, go to Mexico. Go go to a lot of different places in the world. Uh, 
what's life like for women there? And what's life like for women women here? And I don't think you see women in these places or women back in those other time periods freaking out to this point. Consider, like, I think most women in this society would be pretty happy with it. Pretty happy with where they're at. But are you saying that they should be satisfied with being oppressed less than at other times in history and other I think places I, in the I world? It, or that those that are like debilitated by the knowledge of this information out there are full of shit? And that there's clearly is that you're the, you're the freest and most empowered, um, you know, uh, women in all of human history. And yet you're like being totally crippled by a memo. Well, I'm saying because I could see the first one, even though I, I I'm, not, I'm not saying that everything's perfect now. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm saying is we are on a trajectory and we've been on a trajectory for quite a long time. And that trajectory is toward more rights, more freedom for all women, men different minorities included. So instead of concentrating on Google um, and this memo in, in Google that's circulating around that you consider violence to the point where you can't get to work, why don't you stand up and talk about what's going on in these other countries where women are totally behind where you are? Because American women are the most free, the most uh, privileged women that have ever existed in this entire humankind's history, unless there was some crazy society pre-Atlantis uh, or some shit that we don't know about because it got swallowed up by the ocean. Yeah, I would find it hard to believe that any woman in the Middle East would sympathize with you know, the, the plight of the, the American woman, working woman who's... Uh, you know, like crying in her corner in a fetal position because of this memo. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And there's yet there's no women calling out the the uh, Muslim world for their treatment of women. They're calling out the nerdy programmer on Google because he sent out a 10 page memo. Uh, you know, questioning whether we should, uh, you know, just force everyone into uh, certain positions based on their percentage of the population. So, so I, I think what he's ultimately trying to say is. Don't waste your hate. <laughs> yeah, you're right? fucking wasting your hate on right? something people, here. People, there are so many. There are so many larger injustices for women, not even just in other countries, but in the United States. Other, rather than this ten-page memo question, written by a guy, which is, with it, it's like you're wasting your time on this. This is this is not even a this is not a without question. Which is which is why when we were going to cover this, I almost felt like is it a waste of time really because um, it it really is. It, it, this just seems like. Uh, very like uh, going through the motions for the progressives. This is the expected reaction. Yeah. Like you could set your watch to you know CNN's response and and, and all the responses and what you're going to get out of the mainstream. Um, fortunately, now there's this great alternative media where he's already out there and doing interviews and defending himself and right. and you're having a little bit of a response. Um, I mean, totally agree with with everything you said in big picture. I mean, give me a break. Um, I can't help but think even bigger picture and say, uh, well, you have the people who are following sort of not mindlessly, but you know, there's only so many things that you could dive super deep into in life. And, um, most of the people that are sympathizing, uh, with the left on this don't really grasp the, uh, sorry to keep using this like postmodernist, um, or like social Marxism like concept, but it really is. It's why you have the left aligning themselves with like Islam, for example, and not acknowledging um, the oppressions over there and why that you know if that seems strange to you it's because it's in the context of of the oppressed and the oppressor um, and trying to rebalance that and all of society should be structured in that order and this is an and and why I later 
came to realize, and especially during this conversation, that this does matter is because now this memo is part of this culture war, which has taken root um, in the West, especially um, of, you know, uh, who's going to sort of win this battle as those on the left, even though they're being exposed, uh, they do seem to be gaining power. I am very concerned about they, they certainly took over a number of institutions, including um, politics for a long time, uh, Hollywood, education. It's not like they're out of there. Um, Silicon Valley, obviously, all the mainstream outlets. Um, yeah, but they've been taking some losses. Oh, they've been they've been taking they've some, been, a lot of losses recently. They've been the they've this been is just one. They've been the Tyrion of uh, of late, just taking <laughs> uh, uh, tallying up the L's after after every move and, and sort of not understanding uh, why. And, and and suddenly you're getting these big Republican majorities because they're the loud ones. Like at Google, you have uh, an organization that was probably uh, most people probably didn't give a fuck about this. Yeah. Then you had a lot of people. I was like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. You had a lot of people. Are like yeah this is on the money but you're an idiot for like yeah. saying this and circulating it and right. then you had the shrill loud minority that freaks the fuck out right right they get all the attention they pressure them to fire them they're the ones that get these diversity groups and the so is is so along with this being I think now a critical part of the culture war and a discussion point and a great way for those in the center that are trying to work this out. You're trying to convince people of your views and other views. This is now something to talk about, right? And you got to sort of decide, well, where do I really stand on this, right? Um, and where, you know, people are, are, you know, one side or the other side is, is, is gaining traction. Um, the other reason why uh, I think this uh, matters Motherfucker! Why can't I hold two thoughts in my head for more than a well, second? Well, let, let me ch- let me chime in here for you. I, you know, everything I agree with everything that you said um, about where the leftist ideology comes from, how they how they view the world, their worldview, and why this is their response to that. Um, I think this is very helpful for the person in the middle who doesn't really give a shit or doesn't really pay attention because it's so blatantly obvious. Anybody could pick this up and take five minutes on a lunch break, read this and go, anyone who's opposed to this is, is a nutcase. And it just, they don't have to go through all that. They don't have to understand where the radical left is coming from to simply read this and say, well, if you think this is like insane or this is violence or this is provocative or this is mean or this is sexist, and you're a nutcase in general. And they can just exclude them from... Rational discussion uh, no, no. right off the bat. So it, it, it's a shortcut. These types of things are shortcuts for the people who wouldn't normally follow this type of stuff and get into the weeds to just say, to just see. It's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just putting it right out there for people to see. Wow, these people are nuts. And I, that's why I asked earlier if this wasn't counterproductive for those on the left, oh, if, they were, if they were almost like, oh, man, was. I wish this would go out. But I remember the other point. Um, so the other reason why I think this matters a little bit is because they talked about how now um, he's pursuing potential um, like retaliatory or defensive measures for being fired. Um, now, look, I'm of the opinion that you – uh, you know, w- when someone decides to hire you, um, that's a voluntary arrangement. And if they want to terminate that at any time for any point, then that's the end of it. It's their money. They don't have to pay you. You have no additional rights because you were hired. Uh, definitely a minority view, but one that I'm fairly confident in. So the fact that Google wants to fire him, as far as I'm concerned, whatever the reason, which is bullshit, but whatever the reason, uh, is within their right. It's I their money. Okay, well, it's their money. Okay, and and I, I want to hear your counterpoint, but it's their money. Uh, they are deciding uh, suddenly that they don't want to pay this guy anymore for whatever reason, and that's their prerogative. Where I worry about this, though, is you have these giant HR departments in every company, right? And their job, 
among other things, is to make sure that they limit the risk of lawsuit as much as humanly possible, as mm -hmm. much as legally possible. Yep. And that means that even if they all agree that this was a totally benign thing and it's totally fine and it's something that they even want to promote, if they're worried about a lawsuit that could win, even if there's a 20% or 15% chance that it can win, but it's a substantial lawsuit, you have the PR aspect of it, you know, maybe they don't want to be like the social leaders on this sort of thing, they just want to go about their business, uh, that factors into the decision to fire them. And now you're involving the state on something where it's not simply a free speech issue mm -hmm. and you're, you're bringing in the state apparatus, which is, you know, I would argue that if uh, someone were to win a lawsuit because they felt... Um, as if they were physically harmed because of this memo going out, that that is illegitimate and an in inappropriate use of the state and right. that in a private system, um, replacing the state, let's say, right. that that would not hold water. Right. You know what I mean? So that's that's another aspect to this, which I think is nefarious and people need to think about when um, talking about free speech issues in, in general. So that's that's one caveat I'll add to the... Yeah, to the, so, so to, to your point that Google has... The right to hire and fire whoever they want. I agree with that, except for the fact that he signed an employment contract that has terms and conditions of his employment and terms for appropriate uh, dismissal or. Um, did he? He did. Right. Very so, likely, so yeah. they. So supposedly, Google cited the fact that he violated their code of conduct, which prohibits sexist talk or sexist comments. Okay. Now, re again, I encourage people to read this. There's nothing sexist about this. There's absolutely nothing sexist about this. This is completely logical. This is completely cited. This is this is this is based in research. Maybe the research is wrong. Maybe the research is skewed. But you cannot call somebody who's citing academic studies and and research as a sexist opinion. It's not. It's he's he's citing info. He's citing in. He's citing information. Okay. So, and th this brings me to a bigger point. Is and the left does this all the time. Is they use redefinition of language to essentially do whatever it is that they want. So they said, so they, they're redefining the word sexist to mean anything that might portray women as not being completely equal in every way, shape, or form with men. But Even that's not some kind of science. Exactly. Data but that's not the word that's not the definition of the word hate facts. sexist. Hate facts. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so a, that's a, the, so the, again, and this is this is an example of, and you see it everywhere, where the left redefines language. They redefine what racism is. Racism used to be, you know, Racism used to be just judge, you know, being pretty, told, pretty clear cut. Yeah, but it was pretty clear cut. There was no question whether someone was racist or not. You know, somebody wasn't five percent racist. They, yeah. they were, they were, they were racist. Now it's like, oh, you had a thought in your head. You, you looked at this person a weird way. You're racist. It's like there is a little microaggressions they, they, out there. You know, they, they, they've, they, so, they've tried to take language and redefine it just to just definitely. to get whatever so, out, uh, output. I am they assuming want. that he was um, employed under uh, what a lot of people are employed under in these big companies, which is this at will. Contract, which means they could fire you whenever yep. they want. Yep. Um, but, uh, there's going to be other terms attached to that, and and just whether or not they're in the contract or not, there's other legal precedents yep. um, that sort of govern that that relationship. But I, I I'm not privy to what his actual contract. Yeah, and if like. they had come out and said we just don't need his services anymore, I would. And obviously that wouldn't be the reason why. But had they just come out and made that statement and said we don't really need his services anymore, you know, we've terminated his his employment here, then legally speaking, yes, I would think they'd be within their bounds. But they literally came out. And said he violated his his code of conduct 
per the terms of his yeah, employment, maybe that'll be challenged. For, for, That's a good point. And, and I think that, that I think that I, I haven't looked at what his suit is, but they should bring. And it up. that could be interesting again for public discussion is digging into those terms right. and, and the language because they're interpreting the language to mean one thing. Right. And once lawyers get their hands on things, I mean, there are some bad legal precedents out there, but. Very often, like there are certain concepts, we've talked about this in other cases, where, um, you know, lawyers who have actually litigated, um, they laugh at some of the things that gets, you know, right. uh, you know, talked about in, right. in the mainstream as far as like what would happen in a right. court and like what the standards are and things like that. Right. So, um, you know, maybe that would be, you know instructive as well i don't i don't want to see this guy get paid millions of dollars because um you know just just because he was he was fired you know you don't have a right to work for google sure um but that's uh that's an interesting point for sure yeah and my understanding is he's already got a number of job offers from other companies well now in 2017 there's no better time to get fired for something like this (laughs) absolutely that's a good point yeah it's because everything is so separated um and i just i mean my final big picture thought on this is like the left and the right have been in like these echo chambers on social media in all these platforms YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, everything, right? Google is is YouTube. So there's all these little echo chambers <clears throat> and a lot of them are with have been within these Google this Google platform of YouTube. But I think things are happening now to the point where even the platforms are choosing sides themselves. So I don't think it's going to continue with Oh, there's different echo chambers within Facebook or there's different echo chambers within YouTube. I think there's essentially going to be a purge from a lot of these things. And a lot of the right wing people, a lot of people who don't buy into this whole diversity thing, they're going to be purged. There's It already started with um, what happened with Jordan Peterson. He got kicked off of YouTube yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Milo got kicked out of Twitter a while back. You know, all these things, I think the it's they're doubling down the all these Silicon Valley companies, they're all leftists, they're doubling down and they're starting to kick people out. They're starting to push people out publicly now. And I think it's to their detriment ultimately, because I I, I think now all these echo chambers are going to be completely separate. They're going to be worse. So you're saying the echo chamber effect is going, to, is going to be worse because they're going to be totally separate yep. platforms. They're not even going to be coexisting within like YouTube or something. Right, right. I don't think there's going to be people talking to each other anymore i think it's getting going to get worse and not better and i think that's going to translate to the real world it's going to become um a, a bigger disparity within our physical society as opposed to the digital world that we're talking about right now i yep. think it's going to extend beyond that and these tensions are they need to be released in some way and you know it, it could be pretty ugly i mean i just i don't see it going the right way with the, with all these divisions happening so on that uh, very optimistic note, because that, that could be a whole other great conversation, I think, about um, the different social media platforms um, and their, you know, what uh, Anthony was talking about in terms of like the purging of different viewpoints. Um, if you're not paying attention, that might seem outrageous. It is totally correct. It is totally documented. If you look for it, even for two seconds, um, I don't even think they really hide the fact that they do this. Um, and it's not just for extreme views. It's, it's really getting to the point where if you just have anything that is not um, a PC left view, um, you're in the crosshairs. If you're a conservative, if you're a libertarian, if you're anything that's not you know in that in that category, um, you know whether it be through demonetization. Again, YouTube's it's it's all within like this this weird. 
uh, hybrid of like something that's it's within their rights, but then what are the social costs? And also you have this like legal system like overlaying it, um, which uh, you know has all these precedents in there that are sort of unfair that they use to their advantage as well. Um, but where the social media platforms are going to go, where's Twitter going to go? Because I personally like Twitter and I, I like, like that everybody, it's it's a really vicious place to be, but it's also where these ideas that are diametrically opposed to each other and the people that, that stand for them, where they actually come face to face with one another. I wish people would block less um, because I think even if it's an idea that you hate to hear, as long as you're not being overly like harassing or trolly, um, then then hear it out and, and, and have it out. And I would hate to see that happen. Um, but that's something that is definitely unfolding and, and should be a topic of, uh, of another uh, another podcast. Um, anything else you guys have on uh, on this subject? I think we, uh, we covered could, quite a bit. Definitely could, more than I was expecting. I, I could branch off into a thousand things, but yeah. uh, I think that's I think that's sufficient for now. Yeah, I think we're good. But um, let's just let Rob give his uh, yeah information. Rob, where, where people can uh, Rob find has you. Rob has a video blog. I don't know if we mentioned that before, but he runs his own video blog. He's got a lot of cool videos. He's got a lot of perspectives on different things. So tell us where people can find you. Yeah, you can just go on YouTube and type in Rob's video blog, R-O-B apostrophe S video blog, and it's the first video that'll pop up there. Uh, I have a uh, I have a uh, podcast version of the video blog. Uh, you can just go on iTunes again, type in Rob's video blog, and it's the first one that pops up. And yeah. we'll link to that on the show notes page as well as this memo. Uh, I'll link to a couple other posts that I read uh, regarding the memo, but I do suggest you listen to the memo. Uh, I mean, you read the memo. It's definitely you'll get a much clearer picture of what we were talking about, because although we hit a lot of the main points in it, um, I read the whole thing front and back, um, you know, before I got to this conversation. And, you know, it's it, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. It's completely reasonable. And please enjoy uh, reading it. You on Twitter? Uh, no, I'm not on Twitter. Not on Twitter. I, I am personally on Twitter. Rob's video blog is not on Twitter yet. <laughs> okay, coming soon, folks. All right. Find uh, Don't Waste Your Hate on uh, Twitter, at Don't Waste Hate, and also uh, on Facebook at the same thing. Don'twasteyourhate.com slash six. We appreciate you coming out, and uh, Don't Waste Your Hate. Later, haters.